Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi everyone, it's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tomato, tomato, tomate. Yes, we should make a shirt that says tomato, tomato, tomate. (laughs) We're the only ones that find this funny. (laughs) Oh my God, that's hilarious. (laughs) So guess guess what today's episode is about. My name is Eva Longoria. And I am Maite Gomez Rejon. And welcome to Hungry, Hungry for, for History. History. A podcast that explores our past and present through food. On every episode, we'll talk about the history of some of our favorite dishes, ingredients, and beverages. So make yourself at home. Y buen provecho. Speaking of tomato, tomato, is a tomato a vegetable or fruit, Maite? It's kind of both. But botanically what? botanically speaking, the tomato is a fruit. In 1893, a decision by the Supreme Court of the United States said that tomato should be classified as a vegetable and taxed as a vegetable. I love that there is a there's a Supreme Court decision on this. <laughs> like what? Come on, Supreme Court. Yeah, and in 1893, there was a lot of shit going on in the country that they should have been more focused on. Absolutely. But, but deciding on whether or not the tomato was a vegetable or a fruit was was taking yep. precedent. What's wild to me is that when people think of the tomato, they usually associate it with the Italians. The tomato sauce on the pizza, marinara sauce, you know, but tomatoes are endemic to Mexico. Yep. Mexico. One of the many ingredients that Mexico has given the world. So who first cultivated tomatoes? They're endemic to Mexico and Mesoamerica, but like who first started like Cultivating. We don't know exactly because the seeds are so tiny that it's hard to trace, you know, really. They were first cultivated in the ninth century by the Aztecs, although, again, they were probably cultivated earlier than that. Sophie Coe, this amazing historian who wrote this book, which I love, America's First Cuisines, she says that the, that the tomato very likely originated in South America but made its way north to Mexico, you know, hundreds of years ago, probably carried by birds. Same for chiles, which we'll mm. talk about in another episode. Mm-hmm. And potatoes. And potatoes. Yeah. Chile, exactly. potato. Pineapple, yeah. like so many things yeah. that are native to, you know, South America. Yeah. So, you know, it's something that they were consuming, you know, pre-conquest. 
sliced tomatoes, probably making salsas like we like we do today. We'll make some sort of salsa or some sort of pico pico de gallo. Francisco Cervantes de Salazar, he wrote this Crónicas de la Nueva España, so basically talking about his observations of New Spain in 1560. Mm-hmm. And he describes that the tomatoes were added to sauces and stews to temper the heat of the chiles, and they added a really nice tartness to food. Oh, that makes sense. Right? Yeah, acidically, it could bring down the heat on on a right. chile. When also the 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 word tomato, and probably the reason we associate it so much with Mesoamerica is, and the Aztecs is the Nahuatl word tomat tomatil, which means round and plump, and so. Then when the Spaniards arrived, they called it, they couldn't say the word, like I can't say the word. (laughs) And they changed it to tomate, tomate, tomatil, tomatil, tomatil. Tomatil, yeah, the tomatil. So it was basically referred to many round and plump fruits. The red tomato was called a jitomatl. The green tomato is called a miltomatl. But even today in Mexico, I grew up just calling the red tomato tomate and the green tomato tomatillo. But in other parts of Mexico, yes. the red tomato is no. the tomate. Green tomato is the tomate. No, it's so confusing. It's when I'm confusing. in Mexico and I'm trying to cook or asking asking uh, uh, somebody, hey, can you pick me up some tomatoes? I go, can you, you know, quiero tomates. And they go, and they bring me green ones. And I go, no, no, uh, jitomate, which is the, the red, red one. Yeah, it's confusing. Yeah. They have such a different flavors. The green, the, the tomatillo that has the husk, it's very, um, a little bit sour. It's great for salsas, green salsas. Uh-huh. I love. And the red one is much milder. I make an amazing tomatillo salsa. Fresh or cooked? Does I the- cook my salsa. I roast them and then I blend them and then I cook it. So I do, I do both. So if the tomato is endemic to Mesoamerica, how did it get to Europe? Okay. And how, did it get a bad reputation? The tomato goes to Europe and gets a bad reputation. A hundred percent. Why? It, this is a crazy story. Like so many ingredients that have such a crazy story. So it reached Europe around 1540 via Sevilla, right? It was the center for international trade, especially with Italy. Naples was part of Spain, right? So it made its way from Mexico to Spain, and then it made its way to Italy. So according to Andrew Smith, who's this wrote this book, which is amazing, it's called um, The Tomato in America. Um, one of the earliest known references to the tomato was made by an Italian, Italian herbalist named Barietto Mantioli. He refers to it as a golden apple, and it was a mm-hmm. nightshade and related to a mandrake, which was an old world food that was known for an aphrodisiac. This mandrake, it was basically used as a as a love potion. Um, and then in England, mm. around the same time, there is this herbalist named John Gerard. He published a book called um, The History of Plants. And he tells us that the plant is poisonous. Why would he say that if he's an herbalist? Like he should know that that it's not. They weren't really sure what they were, what what they were doing. He considered the whole plant to be of rank and stinking savor. And he talks oh about, God. he says that the Spaniards and the Italians were eating it, but that it was poisonous. Oh, because the leaves, the leaves and stock are toxic, but not the fruit. But not the fruit. But this false opinion of the tomato, whatever, it prevailed. 
one thing that I find the most interesting about all of this is that by the 1700s, and we're talking, you know, almost 200 years later, many Europeans, they were terrified of the tomato because aristocrats would eat from pewter plates. So they got sick and a lot of them died after eating tomatoes, but it wasn't the tomato itself. It was the acid in the tomato that caused lead to leach from the pewter plates. So they were getting lead poisoning, but they didn't oh, put two. It wasn't the tomato. It was the lead, but they didn't really put two and two together. Well, anything that they would eat, they would be poisoned. They could put eggs on that plate and they would be poisoned. Yeah, but maybe it's, like- the, it's the acid in the tomato that really- oh. Got it. Caused a poisoning. Exactly, exactly. So it Got wasn't it. until the late 1800s that the popularity in Europe began to grow. But people in Spain and people in Italy were eating the tomato. Don't go anywhere. We've got more on the history of the luscious tomato when we get back. Stay with us. As an actor, a producer, and a proud Latino father, my days can get very busy, which is why I make sure to dedicate time to what's important, like supporting my community through my work, sharing my Colombian and Venezuelan culture, and being present for my family, which is everything to me. Hey everyone, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when reflecting on what matters most, I start by giving thanks for good support in my life whenever I need to make the big decisions. How about you? If it's insurance you need, State Farm is there to help you choose the right coverage for you. And State Farm offers great support 24-7. Just call an agent. State Farm is also a big supporter of My Cultura Podcast Network by helping to share our Latinx voices. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso. I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. The earliest known printed recipe for tomato appears in in 1694, The Modern Steward by Antonio Latini. And he did a sauce. It was a tomato sauce called Spanish style. But it was uh, the sauce was used on meats. 
And so in Italy, the people who started eating tomatoes, because there was nothing else available, it was actually a food for the poor. And they couldn't eat all of it because they couldn't preserve it or store it. So they started making these sauces to put on pasta and pizza so that they could use up the tomatoes because you know they don't they don't last very long if you get a good ripe right. tomato. So by the 19th century Italians this is where the popularity of of Italian sauce uh was born for pasta and pizza because they would mix them with beans and other foods and that's pretty it's cool. very cool. And this guy Antonio Latini was amazing. Like he has this earliest printed recipe for tomatoes. He also has gives us the first printed recipe for sorbet. I think it's super interesting that he calls it tomato sauce Spanish style. Um, cause we don't actually see a tomato recipe in Spain until 1745. But so then what about the tomato in the U S what's the first known reference? So the first known reference in colonial America is also from an English herbalist. Um, this is a man named William Salmon or Salmon. I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, but botanologia of 1710. And he talks about the tomatoes being cultivated in the Carolinas, um, so this is interesting, like how did the tomato get there? Maybe they were brought over by Spanish, French, or Caribbean settlers. Uh, maybe it was also that enslaved Africans introduced the tomato to the region um, because they were responsible for cooking on southern plantations. So there are various theories as to how the tomato got here, but it likely came hmm. to the U.S. via Old World, not via Mexico. It was, was it the Americans that made it? possible to commercially process canned tomatoes so that they were available all year round. And so this is what this was the entrance of Campbell's condensed tomato soup in the food market in 1869. That's so early, right? Because they popularize Yes, I didn't know Campbell's Neither was did that I. old. Neither. But um, I have to say actually I want to say one thing. It was the French that ita- that invented canning. It was Campbell's in 1869 that would popularize the mass production of canned tomato formats and the sale of canned tomatoes. So Americans weren't just eating fresh tomatoes and including them in the recipes, but they were using canned tomatoes to make these meals. And canned food was obviously shelf-stable, so it required no storage, and it could be eaten year-round, and it lasted a lot longer. So this was pretty genius of, of Campbell. Absolutely, yeah. And so this whole concept of canning really revolutionized the food world in general, not just for tomatoes. And this is a technique that was developed you know, in, in France. But even, you know, before this, we see, you know, Mary Randolph, this this cookbook, 1824, she has 17 different uh, tomato recipes, including an early American recipe for ketchup. Which is interesting, speaking of ketchup, because ketchup originally is not based from tomatoes. The ancestor of modern ketchup was tomato-free. Where did it come from? It comes from an ancient Chinese sauce of fermented soybeans and fish sauce called Ketchup or kochup. So that's where the word ketchup comes from. But the original ketchup has no tomato in it, but the word None. and the sauce were brought to Britain in the early 1700s. But since they didn't have any soybeans, they started using anchovies or mushrooms or walnuts or oysters 
American yeah. colonists brought these recipes with them to the U.S. and experimented with what they had. So they were first using apples and then they were using beans. And it wasn't until 1812 that a Philadelphia scientist named James Meese that he developed the first tomato ketchup um, made from hmm. love apples, as they were still called. Then. And then and then John Hines as in Heinz mm -hmm. ketchup, later introduced a recipe which included vinegar, brown sugar, and spices. And he pioneered the use of the glass bottles. So Heinz was the first to add vinegar, which um, acted as a preservative. And, and that was in 1876. And to date is the best-selling brand of ketchup in the it's U.S. It's the best ketchup. It, it really, really is. is. I, I love, love it. it. It's the best ketchup. That's probably because it has yeah. vinegar. I love a vinegary ketchup. Now, today, the tomato market, which includes fresh and processed, is estimated to be worth about $3.8 billion. So it's ma it makes tomatoes one of the most consumed produce in America, second only to potatoes. So potatoes is the number one uh, consumed pro produce in America, and number two is tomatoes. That's mm -hmm. interesting. And it's also one of the most genetically modified vegetables fruits, oh, vegetables, is which it? is why sometimes we take a, we taste a tomato and it tastes mealy and it just, or doesn't, or just tastes like water. It doesn't taste like nothing. It's yeah. because of this. It's because it's been modified. Well, there's many, there's what, thousands of tomato varieties thousands. and a lot of them are hybrids. Thousands. 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 And that's why you're right. That's why some of them have no flavor and some of them are large and sturdy, like the beef steak. Uh, I think the beef steak tomato has Zero. no flavor. Um, they just have a good texture. Uh, but the air, good texture, yeah. But I, the heirloom, I love. I love the heirloom because they're the. I, I also feel like I love all the colors that they come in, and their taste. It's like it's just perfect if you lightly salt it. It's just so, so good. Great. A good heirloom tomato is just oh, it's like heaven. Different colors, like purple and green and yellow and all these colors. Yeah, um, so yeah, and different shapes. Different shapes. Different shapes. Like bumpy. I love the different sizes. <sighs> Super bumpy. So I love them. You know, I use a lot of. Uh, I actually use a lot of Roma to uh, tomatoes. They're also known as like mm -hmm. the plum. They look like a plum size because they're sweet and juicy. I I use those for for all my Italian sauces: pomodoro, bolognese. Like I use I use. Roma what do you mostly. use for your pico de gallo? Uh, Roma. It's usually what I get. Roma, yeah. and then in the summers, I get the heirloom tomatoes. I love that Marzano is known as the Rolls Royce of tomatoes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I do mix Roma and Marzano when I'm making my my Italian sauces um, because they're sweeter. Best tomatoes I've ever had were in Sicily. They tasted like... Oh, really? Oh, my gosh. I feel like they had been injected with tomato flavor. They were sweet and a little acidic and just amazing. I think it's just the... The volcanic soil there is just, oof, it gives everything such wow. incredible, incredible flavor. Do you know that that uh, China is the world's largest tomato producer? Mexico is the leading exporter of fresh tomatoes to the United States. So if you're an American, you're probably eating a Mexican tomato. More on the history of the tomato after the break. Don't go anywhere. As an actor, a producer, 
and a proud Latino father, my days can get very busy, which is why I make sure to dedicate time to what's important, like supporting my community through my work, sharing my Colombian and Venezuelan culture, and being present for my family, which is everything to me. Hey everyone, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and we're reflecting on what matters most. I start by giving thanks for good support in my life whenever I need to make the big decisions. How about you? If it's insurance you need, State Farm is there to help you choose the right coverage for you. And State Farm offers great support 24-7. Just call an agent. State Farm is also a big supporter of My Cultura Podcast Network by helping to share our Latinx voices. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you get your podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Welcome back to Hungry for History. Chef Gilberto Cetina is making waves, creating unique flavors at his restaurant Holbosch in Los Angeles, California. So much so that in 2021, Holbosch received the Michelin Bib Gourmand Award, a really big deal in the culinary world. Here he is giving us even more history on the tomato, sharing a childhood memory eating tamalitos con salsa de tomate, and giving us his thoughts on how the tomato is a jack of all trades. My name is Gilberto Cetina. I'm the chef and owner of Holbosch. Uh, Holbosch is a Mexican seafood or marisco stand that focuses on just regional coastal Mexican cooking prepared with uh, whatever ingredients are available to us here locally in Southern California, which is a lot and fantastic. El, el tomate comes from uh, South America, you know, the Andes, it's believed somewhere between Bolivia, Colombia, Ecuador, Peru. And just like the Chile habanero, indeed, it was brought over to Mesoamerica by, via birds. The original tomato from the Andes is very different from what we know of as a tomato today. So it was a very small fruit through selective breeding. The Aztecs cultivated it and turned it into something that was beautiful, big, and plump. 
and uh, it was used in braises and the braises were dishes for the for the wealthy and for the royalty and for the politicians uh, it was not common food like la tortilla or or el tamal and uh, most popularly it was uh, used for something called a pipian or a pepian which is a pumpkin seed or other kind of nut based with tomato and dry chiles. And they would make, you know, a, a nice, rich, thick kind of velvety sauce that they would braise wild game. And the rich people would have that. So tomato is super important in our kitchen. Uh, tomato is 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 versatile. Uh, more than anything, it is a jack of all trades. It does all kinds of things. So it can be as simple as a slice of tomato as a garnish on something. Think about, let's go American food here. Think about a hamburger, a nice thick slice of tomato. Or in uh, my part of uh, Mexico, where I'm from, which is Yucatan, you put a nice slice of tomate on your panucho. And it just completes it, right? The panucho, the tomato, the avocado, and that gives you the, the perfect bite. But it's also wonderful for, obviously, for mariscos, right? Uh, the That vegetable freshness, that vegetable crunch of the raw tomato, the raw onions and cilantro, cucumbers and avocado, to balance out the protein-heavy ceviche right so a ceviche without any veg it's you know it's basically just sashimi it's just you know raw fish uh and you add all these vegetables to it uh, and and also uh you know chiles and your tostada you're really creating something with the flavors of the region and making something completely different from you know just raw fish or fish cured in lime juice and then in the in the hot kitchen again super versatile the base of our food in a lot of parts of Mexico, uh, in Yucatan, definitely the base of our food is sofritos. Uh, we use it for soups. We use it as a thickener. We use it for, you know, rices and noodles. And the sofrito gives you a nice, deep, developed flavor because it's you're cooking it in layers. You start with garlic and onion with a little bit of oil. You cook that down until it's caramelized. So you have that layer of flavor there, the caramelization of the onions and the garlic. Then you add tomatoes and peppers to that and you cook those down and you just start developing this 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 wonderful base that is a good starting point for wherever you want to go, either be it, be it a soup or a sauce or, or whatever you're going to do with it. And classical Mexican dishes like pescado la veracruzana, that veracruzana sauce is a sofrito. And in Yucatan, el pulpo en su tinta. The pulpo en su tinta is just basically a sofrito that you add calamari ink or octopus ink to and you, to, to make that traditional dish. So very important in our food. And you know, when I think about tomato growing up in Yucatan, I immediately go to our tamalitos con salsa de tomate. It's, it's just so, it's so ingrained in our memory as Mexicans. Anytime you would go to a birthday celebration and you're excited and you're there and your friends are there. There's always a tamalito with a little salsa de tomate. Just, just a very simple salsa, right? You boil the tomatoes with maybe, maybe a bay leaf, uh, garlic, some onion, and then you blend it up and season it with salt, and that's it. And it's a really pure, very simple sauce that 
gives the tamal an added layer of flavor. You know, the tamal usually does is, is lacking in acidity, in brightness, in sharpness, and that salsa tomate just gives it that. I, I would say that's the, the number one uh, flavor memory. Tamal, salsa de tomate, maybe a little bit of cake on the side. I love tomatoes. Love. It's one of the very few things that I can actually grow successfully. I grow these little cherry tomatoes and in the middle of the summer, mm -hmm. like putting a cherry yeah. tomato in your mouth, warm from the sun, the way that it just pops in your mouth. It's like a little taste of sunshine. I love it. What about you? Do yeah. you like tomatoes? I like most tomatoes. It's so funny because I was in Oaxaca and you'll see on Searching for Mexico, there's an episode of this woman who's like the tomato queen. And we must have had a hundred different species wow. of tomatoes. And it was, she did this tomato salad with this, I need to get the dressing because it was, it was like the simplest, most complex dressing that she poured on top. But, you know, they were purple, they were red, they were orange, they were green, they were black. They were, I mean, it was big, small, you know, bumpy, smooth. Uh, it was, it was her tomato salad. And I almost died. Like I was like, I could, this could be my last meal on earth. It was so good. And then I also love pan tomat uh, in Spain. So delicious. Yeah. Which is like this crushed, riped, tomatoes with garlic and sea salt and you drown it in that Spanish olive oil and then you spread it on on the Oof. bread. It is it is so, so good. And so simple. It's so simple. I know that one's so simple. I also do like a, a, a bruschetta, which is similar, like chopping, you know, grape tomatoes, um, Roma tomatoes with garlic and salt and olive oil and, and putting it on top of a crostini, you know, like that too. I love that. I love freshness. I don't like... Mm -hmm tomatoes in a hamburger or a sandwich. Really? I don't know why. Yeah. Or uh, not too much in a salad either. I don't love them too much in a salad either. But, yeah. but I do love like a really good tomato. Oh my, it's just sometimes, I mean, when I was growing up, I feel like the tomatoes were just kind of mealy because I think they'd just been refrigerated. But now you could find such yeah. really good tomatoes. And I just really like them just sliced with olive oil. And some salt. Yes, exactly. I, I, that's what I'm saying. I could have a tomato salad. I could eat tomatoes like the sliced heirloom. Like I could have an heirloom tomato with salt and olive oil and just eat it like an apple. I mean, I so I, I can do that, but I don't want it in my salad. Mm. Isn't that weird? Are we weird? Maybe a little bit, but that's okay. Do you have a, a tomato recipe you love? I have a great gazpacho recipe. Ah, no, I hate cold soup. <laughs> <laughs> so gazpacho falls in that Oh my category. God. I have to make you. I need to you taste You have to yours, taste mine. Though. I think you'll yeah. like it. I don't put bread in it. It's very simple. It's just fresh tomato, like super ripe tomato. Like it's the tomato. If it looks like it's about to get little bugs growing on it, like super, super ripe. Those are the tomatoes that are by really, really juicy that I wouldn't eat for anything else. Cucumber, green bell pepper, olive oil, a tiny bit of garlic, salt, and um, a little bit of water and sherry, like a really good sherry vinegar. I haven't met a gazpacho I like. You haven't met mine. <laughs> it was so funny because I thought we were going to settle the debate of it's a, is it a fruit or vegetable, but we did not. It's, it's both. both. It's both. But I use it as a I use it as a vegetable. But hey, it's both. It's really both. 
Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Hungry for History is an unbelievable entertainment production in partnership with iHeart's My Cultura podcast network. For more of your favorite shows, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens. But trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene, was good? But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh. Oh. Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.